Welcome to the Waukesha Bible Church Podcast. We believe the Bible tells a single story, and at the center of that story is Jesus. If you like what you hear today, additional sermons, teaching sessions, and written material can be found on our website at waukeshawbible.org. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the gathering of Waukesha Bible Church via satellite. We're going to be doing our call to worship here and continuing in our journey through the Psalms. So if you grab your Bible and turn to Psalm 45 and follow along as I read. This is a psalm of victory. It's a psalm of conquest. It's a psalm of celebration. Beginning in verse 1, my heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You've loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Hear, O daughter, and consider and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your Lord, bow to him. The people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the richest of the people. All glorious is the princess in her chamber, with robes interwoven with gold, and many colored robes she has led to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. In the place of your fathers shall be your sons, You will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, it is truly humbling to gather as your people in this capacity to hear your word corporately in a different setting to be reminded that you are in control of all things and that you are victorious, that your throne is an everlasting throne, that you're in control of all things. We trust you. We're grateful for your presence with your people. In Christ's name, amen. I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is somewhat unusual, but we are thankful for the gathering of God's people via video, and we trust that we will be able to see the Lord working through this text in our own individual lives. The primary idea from our passage 
is fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. The primary text that we will be working from is found in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. The Bible reads, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Our passage has the children of Israel leaving the nation of Egypt, a place of bondage. They are confronted by the Red Sea and then pursued by the Egyptian armies. And God says to an anxious nation, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. The passage we've just read is so applicable for us today. We are about to start a series of studies entitled, Fear Not, Stand Firm, and See the Salvation of the Lord. Yet before we unpack Exodus 14, I would like to begin by speaking directly to our collective experience with the coronavirus and the social isolation that is taking place. The primary idea of this passage, and so many like it, is rather simple. Our God is knowable, and a known God stabilizes people in an unhinged world. Therefore, in light of what you and I are encountering, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. From this text, we see two things. A known God does two things for us. First, it keeps us from anxiety, from panic and hysteria. And secondly, it enables us to serve an unsettled world. Well, you can see that we have made it back from visiting our grandchildren without incident, and yet the world seems to have changed in significant ways. Kirsten and I would never have imagined such things that are besetting us as we made plans to visit our grandchildren. We kept pace with what was happening through the Internet, but we were not experiencing firsthand the problems because of our location. When I first read they canceled March Madness, I thought, they can't do that. I quickly realized the world I knew had become unhinged. We did not know what to expect when coming through Chicago O'Hare for our return flight, but everything appeared normal for O'Hare. Yet much has happened, and almost all of us are experiencing its impact on various levels. The next day after our arrival home was our first day out and about, and one could sense an unsettledness among the population, even without speaking. It is of interest in the grocery store to see some shelves completely bare of certain items. I must confess my own unsettledness coming from two things. First, the coronavirus itself, and secondly, the financial impact this is to have on all of us. My heart truly goes out to all who suffer financially from this and from the virus. Many of you have already had some immediate consequences because of this. In the wake of all that is happening, the announcement and action steps to postpone all church gatherings in the immediate was not unexpected. 
I do remember the hysteria of Y2K, but there wasn't this social isolation that is currently taking place. This is unprecedented in my lifetime. How do then we respond in a way that marks us as Christian? We see this unfolding before us. We are experiencing all of these hardships. So how do we as Christians respond to this moment in time? Let me begin with a visual. If we were to take a piece of fruit and cut that fruit in half, we will see that it is composed of three parts. There's a very thin skin. Then there is a seed of significant size located in the center. And most of the mass of the fruit being contained within the flesh. Now, if we were to take that same visual and, and cut the earth on which we exist in half or take a section out of it, we would see the same three parts. If we begin by working from the inside and move outward, we see first the earth has a core. The core is made up of mostly iron and some nickel. The difference is that in the inner core, those minerals are solid, and in the outer core, they're liquid. This is what creates our magnetic field, and it is this magnetic field that causes true north. Life on earth would be unsustainable without this magnetic field. Secondly, sitting on top of that outer core, we find the mantle. This layer is by far the thickest layer of earth, about 1,800 miles thick. It also makes up about 85% of earth's volume. And the best description of the mantle is it is made up of rock so hot that it flows. And then the final part is the crust. The crust is comprised of two parts. The oceanic crust, which is about two-thirds of the crust, and the continental crust, which is the remaining third. You and I li are living on that continental crust. We're standing on that continental crust. Now, if we can use that visual, let us see how we can shape our thinking and then respond to what we are experiencing, both to the pandemic and then in this economic uncertainty. Let us begin by noting the core of our planet and of our faith. Let us remember that the hard core and the liquid core form this magnetic field, and it is this magnetic field that causes true north. This is where you and I are able to center ourselves, and life on earth would be unsustainable without this magnetic field. It keeps things in check. It normalizes our experiences. So let's begin with the hard core, that thing which around everything else exists. The first principle that we must understand concerning the core is that God is controlling all of this. What you and I could not see, what you and I could never have predicted, God knew, he sees, he controls. And whether indirectly or directly, God controls either localized epidemics or global pandemics, and somehow in ways we cannot even begin to understand or comprehend, they serve his purpose. Psalm 135, verses 5 through 8 reads as follows. For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deeps. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain, who brings forth the wind from his treasuries. He smote the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast. The hard core of our response to everything we are experiencing is that God controls everything. Whether it's the plagues of Egypt, 
whether it's the famine during the days of Joseph, Ruth, and Elijah, whether it's the providential outworking of life itself from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Everything is under the control of God. All of what you and I are encountering is part of God's overarching plan. And you and I, by faith, are to embrace this thought. We must remember that God is too wise to make a mistake and he's too loving to be unkind. We might not like what we are experiencing, yet it would be foolish to abandon ship and stop trusting God. Friends, remember, God is not punishing you. You did not create this virus nor the economic downfall that we are currently encountering. I cannot fully explain or understand this. I am only asked to trust him. And thus the question is, Will I? Will I trust God in the midst of all this uncertainty? It is going to change for the better. Going back is impossible, and moving forward is inevitable. So we have this hard core. God controls everything. Well, what is the liquid core? The liquid core is simply this. There is nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 in the entire book of Ecclesiastes tells us that there is nothing new under the sun. We have this shared experience with all of humanity, whether they be plagues and flus, whether they be famines caused by political corruption and natural disaster, or things such as the Holocaust or other genocidal atrocities. Since the fall, all of these things have existed and the world is a very repetitive place. Political tyranny and natural catastrophe are always present. Nothing ever really changes. So any search for real meaning and lasting profit cannot come from under the sun. It will only come from the Lord. It is understanding that God is indeed in control. So how are we to respond to our current situation and to all situations like this? Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. So as we move from the core to the mantle, the mantle is what fills the gap between that core and the crust on which we live. And remember that the core heats the mantle to the point where the rock flows. Galatians shows us what this flow looks like in and through his church. Here is where we see Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through chapter 6, verse 10, visualized. One of our continued desires is to see how the Bible does indeed tell a single story. And at the center of the story is Jesus and how this narrative does, in fact, affect our horizontal. Our study of Galatians over the last 14 weeks does matter. Galatians contrasts two Gospels. The first is the gospel of the flesh, and the second is the gospel of the spirit. The outcome of both are polar opposites. The flesh bites and consumes. The spirit working through faith causes us to love one another. This working is very, very tangible. It is visual, actual, concrete, and felt. We see this clearly from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 6.10. Our last three studies in Galatians has celebrated this idea. Four things were noted so far in our previous studies. First, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 15, it says, Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. 
And then verse 15 of chapter 5 in the book of Galatians reads, But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. The core of what we believe that God is indeed in control enables us not to provoke, to envy, or to devour one another. Let us not become conceited during this time of unprecedented stress. It is very easy when confronted by hardship and uncertainty to pull back. The challenge is showing restraint even as we exercise generosity. Do not become party to the consumption of one another, but rather serve one another through love. The second thing we see from Galatians is found in chapter 6, 1 through 5. What do we do in response to the situations in which we find ourselves? What is the gospel of the Spirit causing and producing in and through us to those around us? Well, restore the ensnared and deceived with gentleness and in love. Help others stay on task during this time. Let us help those overcome by their burdens. We are endeavoring to do that as a family of families, as a consequence of the gospel of the Spirit. The third thing we saw in chapter 6, verse 6, was support the financial and physical needs of true gospel teachers. Just let me assure you during this season that the pastors of this church are shepherds, not charlatans. We will seek to fulfill our role in gifting regardless of the financial outcome that is befalling all of us. And then finally, number four, do not grow weary in the doing of good. This is where we really need to hold fast, but continue to serve one another in love. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The church cannot be a part of the hysteria and or indifference that we are currently seeing, hearing, and experiencing. We cannot be a part of the mad rush to consume and exploitation that takes place during any crisis. We have to be a part of those who serve others and the less fortunate. Let us remember that we are a gospel-centric family. The singular nature and sufficiency of the gospel drives us to serve one another. This action of selflessness stands in stark contrast to the self-serving actions of those who would hoard and consume. It is timely that we have a very visible platform with current events not to grow weary in the doing good toward others. How are we to be responding to our current situation and to all situations like this? My friends, let us fear not. Let us stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord. So we understand that the core is that God controls this. And there really is nothing new under the sun. The mantle. Let us be serving one another. Let us be bearing the burdens of one another. Let us not bite and consume one another. And let us not grow weary in the doing of good. Now let us look at the crust. The crust is where we live. It is what we see. What is to be our mindset in all of this uncertainty that we are currently experiencing? Well, first of all, support the authorities that God has put in play. Let us remember Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and following. None of what we are called on to do violates biblical principles. 
No decision anyone makes will be met with full acceptance, but work to be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. Follow the guidelines and protocols that have been placed before you. Secondly, stay engaged as much as possible. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, even if it is through technology. Let us remember that the church, this church, is not the building, but the family. And we will do everything within our power to keep us connected. Now, how might we do this? Well, first of all, take care of your walk with the Lord. Consider this to be a providentially provided sabbatical. God is wanting to grow us in our understanding of who he is and what he has done and is doing and who we are because of this. Until we accept God's purposes in all of this, we will fall victim to our anxieties and fears. These are the struggles that I have of not being overwhelmed by anxiety, of not being overwhelmed by fear, but rather trust the Lord and believe that God is too wise to make a mistake and too loving to be unkind. As a fellowship, we have significant resources to help guide your reading at our church website. All of this is available free to the user. Get ahead of this and be proactive. Use the resources that we have provided. Stay connected to Waukesha Bible Church. Please read our email communications. Please participate in the services and programming we put together. In a challenging time, we need friends and good words more than ever before. The elders and deacons are communicating through all of this. Please be reading the emails, and as you have opportunity, send us an email. Stay engaged. Reach out and make the phone call. Pray for each other. Look at the directory and read each person's name and start praying through the public list as well as what is stated in the front of the prayer devotionals. If you find yourself with more time than you know what to do with, contact the church and see if there's opportunity to serve either through phone calling or physical attention to our facilities. As the virus and our fear keep us apart, let the gospel and our faith pull us together. What if each of us reaches out to one person, either with a simple phone call or when protocol changes, even a hike or a visit once a week? Then, however, many weeks this lasts, our connectedness will be thicker and stronger because of it. And then finally, look out for opportunities to share our hope. People are afraid. People are sad. People are anxious. And without the gospel, people have no hope. Yet as gospel-believing people, we have hope. Our hope, however, is not in a vaccine or a stock market turnaround or a government bailout. We have a hope that does not disappoint. Because we know the love of God in Christ, we know the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We have plenty of gospel-rich material that you can send to people or hand out personally. Let people know that there is hope, and that hope is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then our third point under this idea of the crust is finally found in Proverbs 21, 31, preparing the horse for the day of battle, knowing it is God who brings the victory. Continue to carry out your responsibilities. Do what is necessary, all the while trusting and resting in the Lord. Whether it's washing your hands, covering your mouth when coughing, if sick or showing symptoms, staying home. If you do go out, avoid the most vulnerable. Do not put yourself at risk. If unavoidable, practice restrained physical interaction. Follow defined 
protocol. Go to our website and run this study off. Review it often. Let us know that God is at work. Do not stop believing this. And finally, let me encourage you to guard your mind. How do you guard your mind? Well, first, make sure you access the resources available that are gospel-rich, and secondly, by minimizing how much news you listen to. Please forgive me for being Johnny Raincloud, but most of what you hear on the news will feed your fear, increase your anxiety, and cause you to act inappropriately. Be informed, but be cautious and careful in your responses. So how are we to respond to our current situation and to all situations like this? My friend, fear not. Stand firm. And let us see the salvation of the Lord. We are a family of families. And we will do what we can to continue God's mission. If we can help you in any way during this season of uncertainty, please do not hesitate to contact us. We are here to help you through all of this. And now let me close with Jude 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father God, as we consider the experiences that we are all having emotionally, physically, Father, we want to be settled. We want to be resting. We want to be, as it were, at peace. Yet all of this is only possible as we find it in you. Let us understand that you are indeed in control. And although the season in which we live is unprecedented in our lifetime, this is part of history. Father, help us understand that there is a need to stay in story, to feed ourselves with good, gospel-rich material. Help us, Father, not to isolate ourselves and to cut ourselves off from one another, but to communicate openly with other people, to use what we have to stay connected. Even as the virus and our fear continue to keep us apart, let the gospel and our faith pull us together. And Father, may we share the gospel with people that have no hope. May we turn them to Christ. And Father, help us to do what is necessary to contain this. And yet, Father, help us to understand that what others might be meaning for evil, you will work for good. So may we fear not May we stand firm and may we see the salvation of the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.